0: Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall, and I'd like to welcome you to a special presentation. This is a part of our Mastering Life series, Ways of Self-Empowering. Our discussion today is an important one. Our discussion is going to focus on something I believe everyone in this audience would find of interest, how to manifest a beautiful life. All of us want a beautiful life, we want beautiful things in our life. We like to have wonderful thoughts and and be in special places. Well, but most people don't end up having that actualized. So what can we do? One of the things we can do is start by just making a list of what does it take to have that wonderful life. When I talk about beauty, I'm talking about beauty on a spiritual level, emotional level, and even on a physical level, because how many times are you frustrated because when you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see? How did you get that way? How did you get where your body starts to fall apart? Well, we think, okay, we're older. Shouldn't it look differently? Shouldn't we look older? No, it shouldn't. But we believe it should, and our belief then creates our reality. You've got to be very careful with this concept, because once you understand that virtually everything you believe, you're going to manifest. And it happens subtly sometimes. And you're not even aware that you're thinking about things, but the mind is there. One of the problems we have in our society is we don't know where to begin our journey, because no two people at the same place, but everybody can start, no matter where you're at, if you're rich or poor, educated or not. Everybody should start their journey to create a beautiful life by going to an empty space. But we don't like empty spaces. We're afraid of them. So what do we do when we have to go to an empty space? We want to fill it. It's as if everywhere in nature, the moment there's an empty space, it's processed, fill it up, fill it up. Our lives become very busy. We stuff as much into 24 hours as we can, not always constructive, not always to our well-being, but we make sure that there's no time left. You hold hold up anything that was supposed to have been empty and take an honest look at how much of what you fill filled it with is essential to your needs. More often than not, it's not essential to your needs. So how can you start finding a beautiful life if the very things you're filling your life with are themselves not going to allow beauty, but more often than not, allow conflict? When we resonate with conflict, almost always that conflict is going to end up causing something that we would consider an ugly confrontation with the things that we have created in our life, with our body, with our diseased liver from drinking, and our lungs from smoking, and our mind from being overstressed, from the relationships we don't give quality time to, and then one day we wake up and we think, my goodness, I'm out of balance. How can I get happy when I'm not able to get to happiness? So I'm going to share some steps with you. Each of these steps is just a beginning. I provide the question, you provide the answer. If everyone in this room provided a different answer, it could still mean that everyone was right because you're providing the answer that you specifically need. There is no one answer that everyone's going to benefit from. So just use it as a takeoff place, all right? Let's begin our journey to a beautiful life. First issue the primary reason we create goals is to begin a journey. Now think of all the goals that you have created. Our problem is, we are goal-oriented. Our goal is what propels us. So we think, if I have the goals, I'll get to where I need to be out here. I'll find that. It's not always the case. It should be that wherever we're at, at any moment in our life, should be alright. We should be able to say, where I'm at today is okay. But we don't. We have this agitation, that I don't really like where I'm at today. I'm not thin enough, or I'm not muscular enough, or I'm not sexy enough, or I'm not thinking enough, or I'm not financially secure enough. I'm not loved enough. I'm not appreciated enough. I'm not respected enough. Think of all the things you think are not enough, but your journey will get you there, You're thinking. I just have to work harder. And then one day you wake up and, my goodness, you have been on this journey and you've wasted a lot of your life and you really don't have a lot to show for it because you're still not there. And the only time you think you're going to really be happy is when you get there. So the primary reason that we create goals is to begin a journey as if the journey is what's going to give us meaning and purpose. How many times have you ever heard people say the journey is the purpose, or the goal is the purpose, or paying attention to your journey is the purpose? What if neither of those were the case? What if the idea is we didn't need goals? What if we just went to that place of complete emptiness, a place where the only thing that speaks to us is silence? And the silence allows us to see from a completely neutral place, detached from all stimulation, detached from arguments and busyness of thinking, detached from rationalizations and excuses, detached from blaming or accepting energy from someone else, totally detached and you see the life that you're living. Boy, does that make a difference when you're outside of yourself, because only when you're in that empty space can you see yourself in all your different dynamic. only when you're completely alone in a given moment, in that given moment when there's nothing, I mean nothing, distracting you, only then can you see yourself for who you are, what you've become. Anything else that you put in that space, you're filling it up. So people rush off to meditation classes to meditate. The very process of how we meditate fills up the space. It distracts us. We rush off to a de-stressing meeting and we're stressed in the process. We do yoga trying to figure out, did I get it right? We're always on a journey and our goal is just to be in a journey. Our goal is to get somewhere with our journey. Well, I don't think that many people have really appreciated that the first step in any journey is to stay present, stay absolutely, completely present. Just be in the moment that you're in. If you can just be present in the moment you're in, then you can look at every single part of your life, every single thing that's going on, every action, every reaction of everyone there. What if you could look at yourself before you said something and then see the outcome of what is going to happen by saying something? Would it change what you would say? Yes, it would, wouldn't it? What if you could see your body a year from now? By just staying present and saying, look at myself, how come I'm not going to have that body a year from now? Or how could I have that body a year from now? By being present and being quiet and having that quiet healing mind, You're able to detach from everything, and when you detach from everyone and everything, then everyone and everything is seen for what it is. You don't judge it, you simply are aware of it. Your awareness allows you to understand all the things you're doing or would do and the consequences. And then you can say, all right, now that I see this, I can make a more informed and a more reasonable choice. No one likes to look back and think, my goodness, did I make all those stupid things happen? Yeah. Could they have been different? Yeah. Why didn't they? Because you were stuffing too much into every moment to pay attention as to what the moment could have meant. We think as long as we're doing our work right and being responsible and being on time, that that's good use of our time. Well. What if you used your time to honor your life? First, to honor your life you have to be aware you have a life. We know we have responsibilities, we know we have relationships, we know we have jobs, but do we know we have a life? Most people don't because they don't slow down long enough, and they don't go to that neutral place to stop feeling the consequences of not having a life. What they feel, what they're emoting, are the consequences of the choice they've had. It's as if someone's every other minute, boom, sticking him, sticking him with a pin. So you get used to how you're adjusting to the feeling. So you start taking things to adjust to this sticking. And therefore, your whole life each day is, how do I limit the pain of my day? How do I limit the hassle of my day? How do I deal with the stresses of my day? Instead of saying... Why not pay attention to the uniqueness of my day? I can make different choices so I don't have to be stuck, and I don't have to have the pain, and I don't have to have the stress. I have the right of that. As long as you're not caught up in being a part of your own busyness. It's almost like looking at yourself and thinking, Whoa, slow down. Why why are you doing this? Why are you saying that? Why are you eating that? Why are you on that phone conversation for the hundredth time, spilling out your guts to someone, and nothing's gonna happen from it. Look ahead, nothing ever happens from it. Confess your life a thousand times over. How many people in this room do nothing but confess your life, right? Eh? Of course you do, eh? Anybody wants to hear you. You gotta tell them your life, tell them your problems, and they'll cry with you. What happens, what changes because of that? Nothing, right, nothing. You just wasted your life. But you put yourself on that journey the journey of finding someone who will suffer with you, who will bear witness to your, your suffering. <coughs> it's different when you try to find someone to share pleasure with than to share suffering. Not as many people want to share pleasures, want to share suffering. Isn't it amazing? There's no limits on what you can tell a person when it comes to your suffering. But very circumscribe what you can say about your pleasure. You've got it all wrong. <laughs> Number two. Where do our illusions begin? With abstraction. Almost everything we do in life starts with an illusion. If we work at a certain job and earn a certain amount of money, we can buy a certain type of clothes. That's an illusion. Doesn't make you a better person, does it? We can live in a different apartment. That's an illusion. We can eat in different restaurants. Not necessarily better, but they're perceived as better because they're more expensive and more unique. We might even get wealthy enough to get invited to very exclusive places by people who are themselves considered better than the average person. That's an illusion. I counsel all types of people. I counsel some of the wealthiest people in the world, some of the most famous people in the world, and some of the poorest people on the streets of New York. Now, I want to tell you something. People have a very specific idea of their value, and more often than not their value is based upon what they possess, or their reputation, or what they've achieved. Those are illusions. (sighs) So much is an illusion, isn't it? Of course it is. The suit that you're wearing, the color. You could wear an orange suit, couldn't you? No. 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 (laughs) No. And what kind of work do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, well. (laughs) uh, Someone sue him. Just karma. (laughs) <laughs> well, think of, think of all the illusions that we live with in our lives. And then we actually honor the illusions. Like eating meat makes you strong, right? No, it doesn't. It causes cancer. <laughs> and uh, it causes constipation. It does, and brain fog, and pollutes your body. Now, unless I'm mistaken, the strongest creatures on earth are not humans who eat meat, but elephants, rhinoceros, hippopotamus, giraffes, gorillas. Right? Vegetarian, strong, living long lives. If they're allowed to, and then you start looking at the carnivores, and they live the shortest lives. In the cat family, a lion will live about 8 to 10 years, a lioness 12 years, but then look at uh, a chimpanzee. 85 years. In fact, the chimpanzee from the Tarzan film, Cheetah, is still alive today. And the Galapagos turtle that Charles Darwin brought back is still alive in a London Zoo. Charles Darwin, long ago dead. And you start looking at people and you look at their diets and they think having that steak makes a difference. I grew up in West Virginia where eating a steak was a big deal people prided themselves on the two-inch steak. Somehow it got in everyone's mind it had to be two inches thick. So, oh yeah, we can afford a two-inch steak with fat around it. And they'd eat all that fat and cut it up and they'd be, you know, they'd put the Worcestershire sauce and all this other stuff on it. A Little tiny potato they'd have, a lot of white bread with butter on it. and, uh, And they'd have to have dessert. Now, of course, when they had these big bellies and they couldn't push themselves away from the dinner table, well, they did because then they had to have dessert, and with every, they would always unbutton their belt, you know, or they'd unbutton their this, like, if I unbutton this, I can get it down. <laughs> Where was it supposed to go? <laughs> it's going to be in your esophagus all night, a cake, bulging out. And they didn't mind because that was normal. But then again, gas, distended belly, depression, fatigue, that was normal too. Heart disease, a dementia, that was normal. Uh, laziness. Well, in my family, that was very normal. <laughs> my brother put a permanent indentation in our couch where his body lay. <laughs> growing up in a family of boys, you get to see how. And my father, my father, he never cleaned an ashtray. He smoked. And he had this thing of seeing how many cigarettes could be in there before it would finally fall off on the floor. Now, of course, I'm the one who was cleaning everything all the time. And uh, I think they just did that to provoke me. <laughs> but it was an illusion illusion was that if you smoked that you'd be calm, or that if you had coffee you'd be starting the day right, or if you had bacon eggs that was the right American breakfast. All illusions. What would happen if for a moment in time we stopped distracting ourselves and looked not at what we were told was real, which is not, but looked at what was really real? So if you're a doctor, and you're about to give a cesarean section, you say stop a moment, and you look at the studies and see that over 30 to 50 percent of cesareans are unnecessary, that hysterectomies are up to 75 percent unnecessary, that tonsillectomies are primarily unnecessary, that routine breast x-rays unnecessary, that an awful lot of what we do every day is unnecessary. Well, then would you continue doing it? If you didn't, then suddenly you have the capacity to deal with what's real. Growing up, we were taught to eat white bread, right? It was good for us, and drink milk, it was good for us. Those are illusions, they're not. But we accept an illusion because someone convinced us that it was right. Today, we all watch television. Every ad on there is for creating an illusion, that without something, you're not able to f- perform or be, be able to function. These are illusions. How much of our life is based upon illusion? How about buying a diamond ring? That's an illusion. Love lasts forever if you have the diamond ring. No, it's just a piece of rock. It's no more valuable than a piece of coal or any other stone, except that we make it valuable. We give it a value based upon purely illusion. There is no value outside of some intrinsic value, artificial value, that we say it has. We could have done the same thing with a ruby or something else. But we make it a value. We make the rich person more valuable than the poor. We make the educated more valuable than the uneducated. We make the person who goes to a church more valuable than the person who doesn't. We make the married person more valuable than the single person. We make the the, person who is older more valuable than the younger, irrespective of what they do. Everywhere you look, we're trying to separate out people by illusion and then you get a collective mindset that people together believe in this common illusion. And it takes courage to step aside and say, how much more in my life can I live that's an illusion? All the time this is done. So step two will help you differentiate what's an illusion in your life, and only you can decide. But when you're at neutral, you can look, and you, it's like looking, looking into a fishbowl, and you see everything in your life there, and you think, hmm, well that's an illusion. If I do it all over again, I wouldn't do that, that's just stupid, or I wouldn't do that. Okay, what about making that today? What about stopping all illusion today? Just putting on the brakes and just seeing something for what it is. Think of how that's going to change your life. <clears throat> Number three, all of our content holds conditioning. All of our content holds conditioning. What do I mean by that? I mean the content of what we believe is conditioned to believe it. Because on your own, if you discovered something, you may change your mind. If for instance you're on a subway and someone smiles at you and you decide to smile back, the content of that conditioning is, don't look at a stranger, especially on a subway, you're going to put yourself at risk. You look down, you look away, you divert. But what if you didn't have that conditioning? You looked at someone smiled, you smile, you smiled back. Right? What if you what if you got rid of the the conditioning? To get rid of conditioning, you have to realize that conditioning is only there because there's a lot of content and that's put into it. It keeps being reloaded all the time. Reloading old messages over and over again. Every time anyone from your life keeps telling you the same thing over and over again, it reinforces what you've already been told. Reinforcing old messages is how we keep people a prisoner to that message. That's why you've got to go to neutral. You've got to go in that quiet place so you can look at the messages you've been given and ask yourself, which of these messages are biased? Which of these messages are not fair? Which of these messages lack honesty and objectivity? You've got to be able to get to that place in your life where you can look at something and say, hmm, no, I don't believe it anymore. And you disconnect, right then and there, those messages. Then you begin the process of being free. Next question, do we listen carefully? The key here is carefully. We all listen. But if we hear something that we are not going to be able to accept, we immediately react. Our mind already has defenses. To get from what I'm saying to what you're listening to is not a straight line. There are thousands upon hundreds of thousands, millions upon tens of millions of energies between my voice and your ear. And every one of the people that's ever been in your life at any level that's had anything to do with your contact, your conditioning, or your illusion building has got to hear what I have to say and vibrate an energy. It's all in vibration. My voice is merely a vibration. That's all it is. Sound is a vibration. And then they have to judge it. Is it something they can accept or reject? So what I'm saying will be accepted or rejected before you even think about it because we can block the energy or we can let the energy flow. And everything in life is about constricting or flowing. And how many times in life where we should have flown, should have allowed ourselves just to flow forward, we instead started to bring our energy in. Let me give you an example. When we look at our bank balance and we see that we have overspent, we've spent more than what we have, or we're getting really tight, first thing we do is we start constricting in, we start feeling insecure, that there's a shortage, that we're lacking in the abundance, the abundance of what we should be able to buy, and it makes us apprehensive, it makes us overreact. We frequently have arguments with other people if they've in any way participated in what we bought that now we're looking at and saying, why do we buy it? We can't afford it, look at our our situation. Or we have people say, look, I don't have a life anymore. All I'm doing is working to pay my bills. I'm living in New York City. I can't enjoy the city because I'm having to work so hard by the time I get home at night, I'm tired. So I hang out with other people who also live in New York City who are frustrated by what they can't afford and we share our common fetching, complaining. Well, who put you here? All right? And why don't you look for someplace else? Because instead of opening themselves up, They start to close themselves in. So the moment any any stimulation from our environment says there's a shortage, we come in. Shortage of love in a relationship, shortage of respect, we constrict. We get that tightness in the stomach. You know what I'm talking about. Where something's not right, you feel it. You feel it in your gut. Constriction. You're not going to get tight by relaxing, you get tight from constricting. Headaches strains in the back and the neck, constrict, because we can't control something. We can't control the outcome of things. We can't control people. We look at our circumstances, overwhelming. And then on top of the circumstances, on top of everything else that's happening, all those voices going off telling us how we should react, how we should respond. So automatically, we're reacting and constricting. Visualize this. Visualize that you're in a a lifeboat. And you're at a rough patch of water. Things are happening in life that you're not happy about. You have a paddle, but you can't control yourself against the stream. You're trying to force yourself because you see an island. And you think, "Uh uh-oh, there's what I need. I see an island. The closer you get to the island, it becomes apparent that this is not a lush, beautiful, bountiful paradise. This is a barren little island. But you're thinking, huh, an island, it's something, it's better than nothing. So you put all your energy in getting there. And then when the current's still pulling you away, you jump out of the boat and you start swimming. Now your single purpose is get to security. And you do. You get up on the beach and you realize, you look around and think, I'm glad I'm out of the water. I'm out of that current. Where are you? You look around, and it's a barren island. How many times in life have you chosen a barren relationship, a barren job, a barren living environment, barren friendships? Because it was better to choose something in the moment from fear and insecurity At least it was some place you didn't have to concern yourself with the current of life. But now the current of life continues to flow. It's going right by you. Every day the current is flowing. All you can do is look at it, be a spectator to it, but you're not in it. What would have happened had you gone with the current? Where would the current have taken you? How many times in life do we go against the current? How many times do we go against the current of our own being? You know you should do A, but you're conditioned to do B. You know you should be open, open to the moment, but you're restricted, uptight, limited. You go against it. You go against your own internal chi, your own natural self. You go against it. You're fighting it because the conditioned self is conditioned from fear. And any time you're conditioned from fear, fear will always win out, always. And then you're on those barren little islands. So for a moment in time you're protected. From a moment in time you'll feel secure. But any time you need to feel secure, it means you're coming from insecurity. And any time you're coming from insecurity, no matter how much you do, you'll never fill the void. You'll always be empty. But if we get that feeling of being too empty, we'll always take Tranquilizers or overeat or keep ourselves busy. Once again, the emptiness of our life we immediately have to fill. We can't stay with it. We got to fill it. So at the end of the day, we don't feel anything except our busyness. And then our mind and all those conditioned voices will say, You're doing right. You're keeping busy. You got a to do list. See, every day you get 10, 15 items. You're always busy, multitasking. And it never says, What happens if you drop all these balls? What, what happens? Just be present for a moment. What happens if you just let yourself flow? Where would that flowing take you? What if it takes you to a place of beauty and harmony and surrender? What if it takes you to where all the rhythms in yourself are flowing with the rhythm of life? Then you're going to connect with other people because similars will connect. Similar energy will connect. When you're Flowing against yourself, you're going to meet your opposites. And opposites may attract, but they don't succeed. Harmony doesn't come from opposites attracting. And in all the time, we look for our opposites. We're afraid of who we are. We're afraid of what happens if we just flow. So take a look at your life and ask yourself, how many times have you ended up on a little island little barren island. I look when I go down to Florida, I look and I see gated communities everywhere. Those are barren islands. A few palm trees, but they've closed the world off. They don't want to flow, they don't want to be a part of anything anymore except their little environment. Whether it's a golf environment or a a tennis environment, they say, this is our world, we don't want anything outside of these gates. The world stays out, we'll stay in. You don't have to be in a gated community to isolate yourself. You can be anywhere and isolate yourself. And when you do, there'll be nothing there for you except your fear. And that's all you embrace each day. That's the only cloak you can put on each day, fear. And there's nothing fulfilling in it. That's what happens when we make the wrong choice. That's what also happens when we don't listen because the voice that's telling us what to do is the voice of the internal self, the real self. We're listening to the conditioned voices. You can't do that, you're not rich enough, you're not wise enough, you're too old. So we think, Yeah, I guess I am. I don't see anybody else doing it, so I I guess I am. So, i got a lot of people like me, fat, old, pimply, smelly, (laughs) sad, depressed, We'll watch Oprah together. (laughs) One big ooze out. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know those kind of people, right? They can always tell you something that they can't do, how little they can tell you that they have the courage to do by standing out and going. Where are you going? I'm going with my life. Well, hold on a second. What about us? I'm leaving this island. You can't leave this island sure I can. No, you can't. You worked so hard to justify getting here and being here. You were cynical and negative. You made almost all your decisions from fear. We did too. We're your friends. I don't need friends like you. You don't know what's out there. You're right, I don't. But I do know what's here. And I'd rather take the unknown and be in the flow of my life than the known and have no life. Never, NEVER make the mistake of confusing your work and lifestyle with a life. And right now it seems that all we can do with television reality shows is try to promote an artificial sense of self. How foolish. That's not a life. And have you ever you seen any of these people that seem genuinely happy, living a beautiful life of love? What happens when you expand love? What happens when you give love? What happens when you don't limit the love you give? What happens when you don't fear giving love? Then everywhere a vibration of that love goes out, and it's like taking a giant light and opening it up into a room that's completely dark. Everyone and everything will feel that love. And it's wonderful to feel love, and it expands. It vibrates over and over and when you connect with something that's so authentic as unconditional love, no strings attached, just unconditional love, you know it because every human being, every single human being understands what love is because they were all born as pure love. There was never a baby born evil or angry or jealous or rageful, never one. So when we get that way it's conditioning and then we don't trust authentic love. We don't trust the truth and reality of what we could and should be and we're meant to be. Instead, we trust the superficial, controlled, man- totally manipulated self. We can change that. you got to get off the island of your life to do it. You can't have that love and be on this island. You can't quiet your mind and be on that island. You can't be in the barrenest place in your life And because it's secure, because you know the outcome, expect a life of any meaning, of any joy. All you're going to find is distractions. Next.